Section 1 of The Ocean, A General Account of the Science of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ocean, A General Account of the Science of the Sea by John Murray. The Ocean. Chapter 1. Historical Notes, Methods, and Instruments of Deep-Sea Research Historical. Many of the phenomena exhibited at the surface of the sea were regarded with terror by primitive man, and poets have sung the praises of that hero who first shaped a hollow canoe out of a fallen tree, and thus initiated shipbuilding, and the navigation of the open ocean. The early Greeks had a practical knowledge only of the enclosed Mediterranean, which they called Thalassa, but they had also some knowledge of what was called the great river of the ocean, beyond the pillars of Hercules, as well as of the Arabian Gulf, which was called the Erythraean Sea. They are said to have derived their information concerning this great outer ocean from the Phoenicians. Nico, an early Egyptian king, is reported to have ordered his Phoenician sailors to sail down the east coast of Africa and to return to the Mediterranean by the Atlantic. Whether this voyage was accomplished or not, the Phoenicians appear to have reached the southern hemisphere, for they reported that at their most southerly point they had the sun on their right hand, a statement that could hardly have been invented and was of course true if they rounded Africa. It was a great event in the history of oceanography and of the world when, in the fourth century before our era, the Greek Pythias burst into the Atlantic with his ships, and sailed as far north as the coasts of Great Britain. It was a similarly great event when Hippolus, about the first century before our era, discovered the monsoon winds of the Indian Ocean, for after that coast routes were abandoned, and voyages of six months' duration across the open ocean were made to the coasts of India. The thirty years between 1492 and 1522 are ever memorable for the great advance made in our knowledge of the surface of the earth. Within this period, Columbus sailed across the Atlantic to America. Da Gama rounded the Cape of Good Hope and reached India, and the survivors of Magellan's expedition in one of his ships completed the first circumnavigation of the globe. A whole hemisphere was added to the charts of the known world almost at a single bound. It is interesting to note that Magellan, when crossing the Pacific in 1521, attempted to sound the open ocean. His short line failed to reach the bottom and he naively concluded that he had discovered the deepest part of the ocean. The early voyages in the 16th and 17th centuries 
led to a vast increase of knowledge of the superficial extent of the various oceans, their currents, tides, winds, temperature, and salinity. True deep-sea soundings were taken by Captain Cook during the second half of the 18th century, by Captain Phipps in the Arctic in 1773, by Sir John Ross in the Arctic in 1818, and by Sir James Clark Ross in the Antarctic in 1840, all these, except when in very deep water, being fairly accurate. The proposal to lay an electric cable between Europe and America gave a great impetus to oceanographical investigations and led to great improvements in the apparatus for taking deep-sea soundings. About 1850, Brooke introduced a method of detaching the heavy weight used to carry down the line and tube. On striking the bottom, the weight was left there, and the tube with its sample of bottom deposit was hauled up to the surface. After this time, deep-sea soundings became much more frequent and more accurate. About the year 1840, Edward Forbes, as a result of researches in the Aegean Sea, came to the conclusion that both plants and animals ceased to exist in the ocean beyond a certain depth, the zero of vegetable life being at less depth than that of animal life. The zero of animal life he placed at about 300 fathoms, and his views were very largely applied by naturalists to the whole ocean. Investigations subsequently undertaken by Michael Sars, Wyville Thompson, W.B. Carpenter, and others on the Atlantic coasts of Europe showed that animal life existed at a depth of one or two miles. These and similar researches led to the dispatch of the Great Challenger Expedition by the British government in the year 1872 for the express purpose of examining the physical and biological conditions of the great ocean basins. The Challenger had on board a staff of scientific observers who, during a circumnavigation of the world lasting for three and a half years, made continuous observations on the depth, temperature, salinity, currents, animal and vegetable life, and deposits at all depths throughout the great oceans. The results of this expedition were published by the British government in 50 quarto volumes, and these have formed the starting point for all subsequent deep-sea investigations and laid down the broad general foundations of the modern science of oceanography. Footnote, the term thalassography has been used largely in the United States to express the science which treats of the ocean. The term oceanography is, however, likely to prevail. The Greeks appear to have used the word thalassa almost exclusively for the Mediterranean, whereas the almost mythical Oceanus of the ancients corresponds to the ocean basins of the modern geographer. In recent times, I believe the word oceanography was introduced by myself about 1880, but I find from Murray's English Dictionary that the word oceanography 
was used in French in 1584, but did not then survive. The words oceanography and oceanology are not mongrel words. On the contrary, they are both absolutely correct formations on such analogies as geography, topography, and theology, demonology, anthropology, zoology. The Greek dictionary knows such a word as thalassographos, but not oceanographos. But to insist on this point would be the merest pedantry, for even now it is not of the Atlantic, Pacific, and Arctic seas that we speak, but of the oceans bearing those names. Sutherland Black says, by thalassography, the Greek dictionary chiefly means the description of the Mediterranean. A very myopic pedant might raise some scruple over graphy on the ground that a mythographer is a writer of myths, and a logographer is a writer of prose. But then a topographer is not a writer of places, but a describer of them. So also with geographer. End footnote. During the past 30 years, nearly every civilized nation has sent forth expeditions to undertake deep-sea researches, and during the past 12 years, an international commission has been engaged in the scientific exploration and study of the North Sea and Norwegian Sea. In addition, marine laboratories have been established in many parts of the world for the purpose of carrying on the systematic examination of the ocean and its inhabitants. The general result has been that all the methods and instruments used in deep-sea work have been much improved. It is impossible in this little book to follow all the developments that have taken place in this direction, but a short statement concerning the methods and instruments now generally in use may be instructive and interesting. End of section one. Read by Carrie Adams, your book voice, at Mesa, Arizona on the 30th of March, 2022.